Welcome to the Spawn Chunks. This is episode number seven for Monday, September 17th, 2018. My name is Johnny, but Minecraft folks might know me as Pixlriffs, and joining me as always is Mr. Joel Duggan. How are you doing, Joel? Hello, sir. I am impressed that you got through that intro without calling it 2017 <laughs> with all the sevens in there. Yeah, I would have yeah. done it. That would have been the trap that I would have fallen into. Believe me, it's uh, as soon as we get to 2019, which is a weird date to even say at this point, because right? it's so close to like everything, everything in the future in all media is like the year 2020 or something. And we're like, we're, <laughs> yeah. we're so fast approaching that. And, you know, where, where are all my holograms? That's what I want to know. But yeah, it's going to be yep. very strange making the switch. I was always one of those people who, when I was at school, I had the hardest time remembering what year it was when we ticked over to like January of the next year. I was always writing the date wrong for the first month at least. So uh, yeah, that's definitely going to happen. So <laughs> anyway, we're not here to talk about my school days. We're here to talk about Minecraft. And uh, what have you been uh, up to this week Minecraft-wise, Joel? Well, I did not get hardly any game time in worth recanting i mm -hmm. did some mining as kind of like some stress relief like i just i looked at an ugly uh displaced chunk mountain that was bugging me and has been bugging me for months and i just decided to log in and mow it down to the ground nice so that 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 was the extent of my gameplay however i did spend quite a lot of time uh fixing some connected textures that i had installed uh i guess back when 1.13 flipped over mm -hmm. i had updated the textures but the connected textures were of course not working and we're going to get into this a little bit in the news but uh my connected texture glass uh pack that I had found. I don't know where I found it. I wish I could link it to people, but I, I mean, I could share it with people from my own uh, library, but I don't know where I found it in the first place, but I really, really like it. And of course it was not updated to 1.13. Uh, and I had to learn how to update it just kind of through some trial and error and through some checking out some new texture packs and stuff online. So I, not only did I have to update the, uh, the many, many, many panels in a connected glass texture. Cause there's like something like 40, 47 images that you have to update for wow, every okay. color of glass. I've yeah. I've never looked into that. So I've never quite like realized it's a little the scope bizarre. of it. Yeah. You don't need, there's a way to do it with only five. You don't need all 47. I just, the pack that I had happened to have all 47 set up. So I was like, all right, well, the file structure is already there. I'm not going to mess with it. I'm just going to go in there and just update the things that I need to update. And really what it was, uh, was the new block ID. So I was getting some issues with my ferns not displaying, uh, as well as some other things in the game displaying kind of funny. I was like, well, this is really weird because I didn't change anything in my normal texture pack. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. what was going on, the properties files that you use in a connected texture pack were pointing to old block IDs, which were numbers. And yeah. Now they were getting like, confused with stuff. Everything's words now. Which makes your life as a relatively new person coding and looking under the hood for Minecraft very, very easy. You're like, yeah. hmm, what, sh what should I replace this, this thing with? And you're like, oh, I should replace it with gray stained glass pane. Yeah. Imagine that. Yeah. And you just like, well, this is going to be pretty easy. It's tedious, uh, but rewarding in the end. Uh, and the other thing that I was, I was working on, which was kind of part of the tedium, was the changes that uh, we had mentioned earlier about my yellow and uh, I actually updated the magenta glass as well. And all it was was just like these little hue shifts just to kind of get rid of the green and mm -hmm. get rid of the purple and make magenta actually magenta and yeah. make the yellow glass actually match all of the 
uh, world of color updates that they had. Yeah. So it was just something like that, that I wanted to get out of the way so that now as I go forward and have some more time, you know, in the next couple of weeks to, to play in Minecraft, I don't have to go, Oh God, I really wish I had fixed <laughs> yeah, yeah. this pack. So that's, that's how I spent my, I think it was my Friday. That's kind of how my Friday evening was, was just kind of mucking around under the hood, which I really enjoy. I kind of flip back and forth between being under the, under the hood in Minecraft and then also playing the game. Mm hmm. Sounds good. Well, I've done a little bit of mining myself this week, although not correcting uh, chunk errors. This time I was mining for resources, so I, you know, strode out into the mountains, found myself a nice place to dig down to Y11 and went diamond mining. And about, I don't know, probably 15, 20 blocks down this kind of three by three tunnel I was digging out, I came across an abandoned mine shaft. And it was the always best, fun. the best abandoned mineshaft I have ever found. Normally, when it comes to these things, I always find them kind of underwhelming. Like you hit an abandoned mineshaft and you're like, okay, great. Somebody has dug all of my tunnels for me. I can just go through, strip out all of the resources as I find them. But they never quite get low down enough to find like really good resources like diamonds and golden lapis and stuff. So I always end up digging away from the abandoned mineshaft in order to find those. Like mostly you're just finding coal and iron. Yeah. This one was superb like i dug straight into the side of a shaft that was at y11 and went for a really long time and this thing kind of went down to bedrock in places so it was covering wow. like a decent range of the bottom of the world and i pretty much instantly like this is in an episode of decidedly vanilla that i have not yet published but i'm about to it i, I dig up some redstone that's in the floor just in front of me and there's like an eight vein of diamonds right underneath it and i'm like okay this is going to be the start of an excellent mining session so i did a little bit more off camera there i did a bit more on a stream uh this weekend as well and i've come away with a chest full of ores like i've got redstone wow. lapis gold for days i've got more than a stack of diamond ore that i need to fortune now and i, I basically just wanted to restock on my actual kind of resources like anything that i was going to be spending at community shops or anything like that i just wanted to dig up some money and uh, and that, and that's that's really come through for me. I, I don't need all of the stone and stuff as well. People on my stream were kind of going, why are you putting all the stone back and chucking it all away into this chest or whatever? And I'm like, I have like several double chests of building resources at this point. What I really need is the precious stuff. But right. for once, an abandoned mineshaft came through for me and I was incredibly happy with that. Um, also did my first bit of villager curing, got myself a zombie doctor advancement and, and cured a, a zombie villager who I found wandering around my slime farm. And oh, nice. as a result, I got, I got him back up to the surface pretty easily, just made like a, a bubble column water elevator. They're still the best things in 1.13, Joel. Like it's, yes. it's so nice being able to like, oh, I need to transport this thing up 40 blocks. Let me just grab some kelp, fill this all in, make it water sources, put a bit of soul sand at the bottom, villager straight up to the surface, no problems, no zombie interference. It was, it was just great. It's, it's the best way to transport your villagers around now. And... Yeah, I, I put this guy sort of on the shore once I'd cured him and made like a little kind of villager trading. Uh, I, I kind of refer to them as little market stalls or cells, I guess, where I literally just surround him with blocks on the bottom layer and then trap doors around so that you can interact with the villager. But even baby zombies can't get through. There's, there's right. just like enough of a, a gap that they can't actually climb up onto there and get through. And yep. I built the little kind of canopy for this out of birch trap doors which I hadn't really used a great deal in my builds yet. And with it kind of all folded around the block on top of him so that he couldn't, you know, jump out and get away, 
it just looked like he was wearing a pope hat <laughs> and this was and this was really great because he was a priest villager he was one of the kind of you know purple coated villagers yeah he was he was a cleric and so yeah and so i was trading all my rotten flesh to him and so um for, for some reason the first villager i cure i always name him gerald it's just one of those kind of generic kind of mm-hmm. weirdly old-fashioned names that i think suits villagers very well the kind of her gerald you know um, mm-hmm. And so I've named him His Holiness Gerald the First, <laughs> and that is nice. gonna that is gonna be my first villager. <laughs> so I want I want to get into villager breeding, but that's uh, definitely gonna be something for uh, for the weeks to come, I think. Uh, so that's what I've been up to, and I've been been enjoying myself. After a little bit of time away, I've had a full week of being able to play Minecraft now. So uh, definitely getting back into the swing of things. Nice. It's always it's always nice when you have a break to to kind of dive back in and and. You know, you feel refreshed because there there can be, a, you know, a bit of burnout with the game. Even when you want to play, I've noticed where I've I've sat down saying, like, I have two hours. It's a rainy Friday night and I want to play Minecraft. But then I sit down and was like, I have no idea what I want to do. And it's one of those things where, like, you kind of have to wait until you have both the inspiration and a little bit of time away from the game, I think, to kind of come back in and really dig in. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's nice to have a, a a sort of brain refreshing kind of session, mm-hmm. and then just well, it's it's a lot like it. it's a lot like art, you know. Like I, I've I've spoken with a number of artists over the years on my other podcast, uh, Comics Coast to Coast, and one of the the pieces of advice that seems to be filtering out more often these days is get outside of your studio and live life, whether yeah. that's hanging out with friends. I mean, sometimes it's playing video games. Sometimes it's out having a hike, whatever it is, because a lot of artists, especially with social media these days, and I, you could say the same thing about Minecraft to kind of bring it back to our, our main topic here is that, you know, you see a lot of YouTube videos and let's plays and tutorials and all this stuff. And it just feels like everybody around you that you are following on YouTube is doing absolutely nothing but play Minecraft. Yeah, yeah. And that's not the case. That's just that 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 uh, misconception that social media in general has these days where you're getting the highlights of everybody's life. And artists in particular, if you work all the time, you have no inspiration because you've not done anything to inspire yourself. <laughs> yeah, totally. And, and I definitely feel that with Minecraft. Like I basically came back from my hike yesterday thinking like all I want to do is landscape in Minecraft. Yeah. Like I have so many ideas right now. Uh, And it's just I don't have time because like I know that that's like a three or four hour session of just like, Mm -hmm. you know, landscaping something. And I I know I can't do it right now. But knowing that, you know, that experience is going to be something I can then pour back into the game uh, is is really is really cool. I do you do you find like travel because you did some traveling last week. Do you find travel tends to kind of inspire your minecraft it, it definitely sessions. gets it gets the juices flowing and uh, coming back through london is the time when i've always got my phone out you know usually i we, we've just kind of set off on the train we're going through central london on the way out down kind of towards the south towards brighton and i always snap like a few pictures of the city around me because i always notice a different building that's like it's got a new yeah. ar- architectural style a lot of the stuff i'm trying to build right now is relatively modern so it gives me an idea of how mm-hmm. to do modern stuff and most of it i kind of go well that's going to look really flat in minecraft because i'm stuck working with one meter by one meter cubes and a lot of these things have a little bit more nuance in you know the way the buildings are shaped and so forth i mean you look at any anything in london that's got curved glass in it and you're like nope that's not going to look good but then uh, yeah (laughs) Yeah. there's 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 so much other stuff that you can draw inspiration from and yeah like landscapes and stuff like that are, are uh are definitely something that it's it's tricky to reimagine how they would look in Minecraft, but you can definitely start to shape things 
a little bit from uh, from seeing stuff. And there's there's a lot of rolling hills and kind of nice pastoral countryside between here and London. So I get a lot of right. that, and that's most of what you just have naturally in Minecraft anyway. But there's definitely some some inspiration out there for sure. So let's move on to the news and take a look at what we've uh, what we've seen over the last week. To be honest, there has not been much really. It's been a bit of a slow news week. Would you agree? I agree. Uh, the only two points that I, I think our listeners would be interested in would be, uh, for me, uh, what I noticed was that Optifine 1.13.1, a pre-release version, is out yes. as of the 14th of September. So it's out of the uh, alpha, if, beta kind of testing stages. Yeah. It's now like, we're ready for release, just give us a minute to tie everything up sort of thing. Yeah, I think the number that they were boasting was something like 80% complete. Um, there mm -hmm. was a few days, like the 12th, 13th, 14th, where they were releasing like beta 7, beta 8, beta 9, like mm -hmm. all right on top of each other to the point where I was just checking the website every morning because yeah. I um, wanted to, to mess around with some shaders and I wanted to mess around with some stuff and I could not get anything to, to work. Um, heads up, I am on a Mac. I still cannot get shaders to display properly when I use them. Uh, it only displays in the bottom left-hand corner of my screen. Um, which to me is suggesting that the shaders are only displaying in 1920 by 1080. I'm on a Retina iMac, so it's essentially 5K, but it, Minecraft would display in roughly 4K. Mm -hmm. So I'm getting a fourth of that um, resolution, um, which is frustrating because I can't test out any shaders yet. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that Optifine is you know, going to be crossing all those T's and dotting all those I's by the time they actually release the 1.13.1. The, um, but it ties directly into what I was talking about earlier um, with my my week in Minecraft, which is, of course, now your connected sh uh, textures will work. So even if you're not using shaders, connected clear glass, connected grass textures, things that you and I were talking about with grass sides and path sides. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I was uh, walking around um, the meadows and looking and thinking like, wow, this feels nice and clean why well, i wonder what and i was like oh i'm running up to find right because i've been without <laughs> it for so long yeah and all my, i don't have any dirt sides and the sides of small hills and stuff which i find uh really really cool uh and then to follow that up in our discord um pepin who has been a member of the discord for a few weeks now shared a texture pack in response to something that we talked about here on the podcast and that was the fact that when you pick up tropical fish in 1.13 the icon in your hand is just a simple clownfish. It always is the orange and white tropical fish. You have no idea what you're putting down. There is a texture pack on planetminecraft.com called Visual Fish Bucket. Uh, it is by user Six Foot Blue, and it does what it says on the tin. It says it changes the sprite in your hand to represent the color of the fish that you picked up for all 22. Uh, versions of the tropical fish in 1.13 and uh, it it requires optifine so it goes right along with our news that optifine is now out um, but just a simple quality of life change that i think is going to make my life in 1.13 a lot easier yeah it's going to be so much easier to organize your aquariums if you've got like a variety of tropical fish and you're after something very specific which you know yep. do, do, doesn't seem it seems like such a trifling concern but for people like us who are very detail oriented and kind of like we, we have really specific artistic choices when it comes to this stuff mm -hmm. it is nice to know that you know the texture pack making community has got us covered in that regard and 
Yeah, it, I, I've, I've yeah. looked at some of the sprites they have, and they are spot on for what the yep. fish actually look like in the game, too. So, And they didn't reinvent the wheel. like They just basically took the fish that's in the bucket. And even if it's a different shaped fish outside of the bucket, really all they did was just represent the color. So mm -hmm. you just you get to know what you're, what you're picking up. Um, and I think, too, that there's a number of tropical fish that are cool looking, but they're kind of gray. And that's fine. But if you're building a very colorful uh, aquarium and you only want like the purple and the red and the and the yellow, then it's going to be a lot easier to um, to figure out which ones that you have. Mm, nice. Very nice. I'm going to download that basically as soon as we're done here because it looks, <laughs> looks like here. something that would just be kind of nice to have, you know? So um, yeah. with Minecon a couple of weeks away, obviously there's been no direct news from Minecraft.net, but I was browsing the Minecraft subreddit earlier and speculation has kind of begun about what Minecraft 1.14 is going to bring. People are assuming that since it's been a year since the last Minecon where they announced the update Aquatic, they're probably going to clue everybody into what their plans are for the next major version update of Minecraft. And so... The, I skimmed kind of the top level of comments on this and a lot of people are thinking it's either going to be an, an, an underground update or an update to the terrain or maybe even structures and so forth in the nether. And I, yeah, I wanted to get your, your opinions on, on those two topics being mm. like the, the focus of an update. Do you think that's a good direction for the game? I think an underground update would certainly uh, make sense because... Yeah. It's probably one of the things, and I, I haven't been playing for as long as most people, but it seems to be the thing that has not changed in a long time. Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely the case as somebody who's been playing for four years now. I can't say I've been into a cave and it's looked significantly different from any other cave, with the exception, I think, of adding the decorative stone types, which were added back in 1.8. So we're talking right. several years, like more like four years and five major version updates ago was the last time they really did anything that changed the appearance of what it's like to go caving and there yeah. are obviously a lot of mod packs and and kind of mods that people have made which tend to focus on stuff like that because that's what they feel like the game is lacking so you'll wander into a cave and there will be kind of stalagmites stalactites kind of formations or mm. Even with like modifying the terrain generation a little bit, you create these vast, expansive cave systems which really don't feel like anything that you have in vanilla Minecraft right now. I mean, even yeah. just looking at the stuff that we were exploring in Biome Bundle when uh, I had my Minecraft Harmony series running, there were drastically different caves. They were kind of wide open things instead of you know being a little more claustrophobic like they tend to be in yeah. current minecraft where you've got you know four or five block wide sections and maybe it'll open out occasionally but these were sort of massive expanses of caves to add to that and yeah. I, I kind of wonder if maybe you know underground biomes are on the table now that they've been able to section the ocean into things like you know frozen ocean yeah. biomes and warm oceans and that kind of thing this kind of uh, splitting up of large expanses of biome like that could it be possible yeah. kind of lower down it's it's interesting volcanic biome like a volcanic cave biome yeah yeah and and, uh, and finding kind of more natural lava yeah. and obsidian and stuff there would be would be interesting it's it's something that you can do very easily with without adding too many extra blocks and you know extra yes. materials to minecraft you can yeah you can shape the terrain in a lot of different ways biome bundle and some of the more kind of the the open terrain generator um packs are a very good example of what you can do with the existing vanilla blocks so yeah. it is just a matter of rearranging them and reorienting them in a certain way and just just adding a little bit of life to the underground 
Yeah. And it, and even if they didn't want to get too far from what they've already done, like adding situations where sea caves, you know, like caves that kind of come off of, say, if you have uh, uh, an extreme hills biome next to an ocean biome, you could then put some caves in, in the border and then have that cave like really dive into the expanse of the extreme hills you know like so you could take this cave and just go under things and find air pockets and you know again adding to that you know adventure that they're trying to to push in the, in the game if i was to say anything that i you know if i was to say a, a state of preference i would like to see an update to the nether because that to me is something that is really a wide open blank canvas of of what they could could do to kind of spruce that up a little bit yeah there's there's so much space in the nether like you say and and obviously with the nether it's meant to be more of a desolate experience you don't want to be tripping over everything you know as you walk in it's yeah right now i think the amount of challenge that is present in finding a nether fortress to begin with is i'd say it's okay like occasionally you just explore forever and you never find one but it's kind of it's it's balanced enough but yeah just having the occasional extra things and maybe not necessarily having them at the kind of the the spawn height that you normally end up with at the nether sort of like sea level in the overworld Mm. roughly equivalent Mm -hmm. kind of y64 you could have something that's you know it's up in the ceiling and so you have to dig upwards or maybe even downwards to find um Mm -hmm. and and kind of adding a couple more if if not structures then maybe some more resources or maybe just some kind of like something a little bit more valuable in the nether to encourage players to explore there and maybe add an element of danger to it as well because the, the nether is known to be a fairly dangerous place but i feel like for a lot of people once you've gotten used to being in the nether it really doesn't pose much of a threat no and it like and it, it even like it's hard to kind of come up with something in the nether without adding new blocks because you know i want to get away from that rat hole mm-hmm. um but even just changing the way the formation in which netherrack forms you know if it was more spiky you know, like if it was a little bit more challenging to movement, if it yeah. looked more like a cave than it did just this real random kind of yeah, smattering yes. you, you of want, stuff. You want something more cavernous feeling as, yeah, you, as you're looking you know, at like it. Yeah. I, I'm okay with being able to see like really far in the nether in terms of like, well, it's obvious that this thing expands in that direction. I can't necessarily see what is out there other than I can see that it's it's spacious. But then you have that entire, you know, gameplay challenge of like, okay, well, this is lava pits and big drops and like in early game when you first go to the nether like it's treacherous like so to have that kind of cool you know uh uh gameplay mechanic of how do i get there rather than i just have to turn and dig through hundreds of blocks of mm-hmm. nether rack i just have to make sure i don't fall in a hole or have lava come up the side on me and it's i i find that really boring like that to me, you're just you're digging a you know a one by two tunnel to find something, and that it's like it just it gets really tedious really quickly. Mm-hmm. But if you always had to juke and jive and turn and go up and down and left and right, like I, it would be challenging and it would be slower. It would not be as fast for people that are in the rush to end game. But I think it would make the Nether more interesting. Yeah, and I I actually when I was doing my Minecraft Survival Guide series, I got to the Nether a couple of episodes ago, and I found I had a really good Nether spawn. It was kind of flat and open to begin with, but then it was a little bit treacherous to kind of get across to certain areas. And I found a Nether fortress quite organically, and 
it, it felt like the right sort of nether experience, but that happens maybe one in every 20 or so times. Like a lot of the time when you spawn into the nether, it's just awkward. And yes, it's hell, so it's meant to be kind of annoying to the player, but even so, yeah, it'd be nice to see something giving the nether more structure. And recently in 1.13, they've added ravines to a lot of stuff. The, the, the ocean now has ravines. Um, some of which actually look very dramatic and some of which now carve into the underside of the landscape in kind of a way sort of like what you're describing with the kind of sea caves that kind of really go into into the land, but not in right. a way that really feels like that's intentional. You know, it sort of seems like a happy mm. accident a lot of the time. And the ocean floor ravines with magma blocks and stuff look really great. So seeing them, they're kind of experimenting a little bit with how existing biomes can be changed and, and refreshed and stuff. And so I'm thinking that's that's potentially good news for somebody who wants an underground update. The nether has ravines as well, but again, they're just making things more awkward, making the terrain a little bit more treacherous, but they don't really feel like they've been put there. They're not as deliberate or, or necessarily as organic as all that. They just feel a little bit kind of haphazard and random. And maybe right, a little bit more extreme... Yeah, like, well, like when you take when you take your biome generation and you just kind of take that slider up to like the max. <laughs> yes, you, just you've really just messed weird... with a few settings in the background. Yeah, yeah. and and maybe yeah, yeah. Ma making that kind of a more cohesive part of the Nether experience and changing up a couple of things might be might be good. But this is all absolutely speculation at this stage. We don't mm -hmm. know what they're planning other than what they have occasionally mentioned in developer interviews, which is we hope to add more slabs and stairs now that the code is more flattened out and everything is you know uh json driven and kind of uh, id driven rather than being number driven so yes yeah so hopefully there'll be some stuff that benefits builders in there we'll be able to see a few more kind of blocks and things like that but as an overall theme of the update we're not we're not sure at all yet so in a couple of weeks time we're going to find out and i'm i'm starting to get nervous <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that like nervous level of excitement is is building yeah. so uh Moving away from that, um, we actually wanted to talk a little bit about Minecon in an upcoming episode, and maybe around the time Minecon actually happens, once we're kind of giving our thoughts on what's happened this year. We'd also like to share some listener experiences with anyone from anyone who has experience attending the actual Minecon conventions that were held before last year, so kind of 2016 and previously, because I've been to a, uh, a Minecon Earth kind of event in London, but it wasn't Minecon. It wasn't kind of, you know, several days worth of convention all geared around Minecraft with the panels and so forth that they've had in previous years. I have, I have actually turned up to the place where they were holding Minecon, but just because we were going to have a meetup with some of the people from my vanilla server there, and a couple of them had right. actually got tickets and so forth, but myself, my brother-in-law, and a couple of our friends hadn't got tickets to the event. We just wanted to show up and meet these people because we rarely got a chance to actually all hang out together. A couple of them had flown in from the US. So uh, yeah, I've been up to the front door of an actual Minecon, but never gotten in. Um, so it'd be really great if anybody has experience with Minecon in previous years before it was a kind of Minecon Earth live stream and wants to email the show with your experiences. We would love to read out some kind of listener emails about what you enjoyed about Minecon, what you thought maybe has, you know, prompted the change between, you know, actual physical conventions and the live stream format they have now, what you would like to see in future Minecons all of that stuff. Talk about your cape if you want to, because they used to give out capes to people who had attended Minecons uh, and they don't anymore. So yes, feel free to uh, to brag about your cape a little bit. 
But uh, yeah, we'd love to read up some of those. Um, the email to do that is thespawnchunks at gmail.com. We'll also remind you of that at the end of the show. So it'd be great to hear from you guys a little bit more. And speaking of hearing from you guys, uh, I wanted to read out an iTunes review, seeing as we've got a fairly slim news segment this time around. Uh, this is a review we got from somebody who goes by Ginger Kidney, <laughs> which is <laughs> nice. a delightful name. And they said, uh, as a relative newbie to Minecraft, I find some sites and podcasts too technical or only really suitable for people who have been there from the start. However, the Spawn Chunks caters for all comers without judgment or preconception. What makes it especially enjoyable is the relaxed style of the presenters, which makes the hour or so episode fly by in what seems like mere minutes. Keep up the good work, guys. Thank you so much. That's such a kind review. And uh, I think it's, it's an important aspect of this show that we try and cater for people at all kind of entry level and experiences of mm -hmm. of minecraft like i i often worry that i'm over explaining things too much when i pause and and explain what i mean but i do want to make sure that people don't kind of get left behind by some of the stuff we're talking about we tend to delve into things in a great level of detail so the fact that people are finding it's it's kind of suitable for all kind of levels of experience is is very good that that, that feels like we're we're delivering what i want us to deliver <laughs> I agree. And I'm really flattered from from the review that Ginger Kidney gave us because it, we have not really made a big statement on the show as like, this is our mission and this is what we want to do. But we've talked about it off mic. And when you have someone that just kind of reviews out of the blue and basically hits on all the points that you've been aiming to hit on, you're like, yes, OK, yes, at least, <laughs> happy to hear that we're that we're doing it. Yes, people understand uh, us. I like it. And I have a really good example of of another person that has that does this kind of stuff sometimes. And in a lot of ways, like you, I would get self-conscious about over explaining something. But I watched Cubfan 135 from Hermitcraft the other day craft andesite. Yeah. <laughs> I had forgotten that that was a thing. I always he was going that's a out, thing too. It's he was going out to collect andesite. And I thought, oh gosh, what a pain in the butt that's going to be. And I mean, you've got lots of it when you don't want it, but when you're actually looking for it, you're never going to find it, right? Mm -hmm. And then of course, he starts crafting it out of cobble and, and diorite. I was like, son of a, I did not know. Yeah. Or I had forgot that you could actually do that. Yeah, and you can so, you can craft um, diorite or granite or both with quartz as well. But everyone's just like, why would I waste my quartz on that? <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. I, and I, again, I, you know that and you put it out of your mind because like that is not worth it. Right. Oh, exactly. And, and I think that, uh, it's just a really good example of someone that would have a pretty advanced audience for the most part covering a very basic thing. Mm. And I think that's something that we try to, to straddle on the show is that, okay, we t we'll hit on a lot of 1.13 things because there's a lot of people that don't know all the ins and outs of 1.13. You and I are still learning them. Mm, so yeah. I feel like hitting on those points is important because there's always somebody in the audience or maybe it's like somebody's kid that's listening with them. And, you know, mom or dad might be advanced or older brother or sister might be more advanced, but maybe the new player is just like, well, I don't, I don't know what that is. And it's nice when you get that kind of explanation. I always appreciated that kind of stuff when I was in my kind of middle ground of learning Minecraft, where like I was past the point of knowing the basics, but I still wasn't really into the minutiae of everything. Mm -hmm. And I always find that back and forth helpful when you're either listening to something or watching YouTube videos, et cetera. Yeah, it's something I tried to work into an episode of Minecraft Survival Guide where we were looking at potion brewing. 
and I hadn't gotten myself any magma cream. And I thought, well, if we're going back to the nether, it's going to be useful to demonstrate fire resistance potions. But I'd got a little bit of leftover blaze powder and I'd actually found a slime whilst I was mining quite early. So I had a couple of slime balls and I reminded people who have probably forgotten at this point because it only occurred to me whilst I was recording that episode that you can combine slime balls and blaze powder to get magma cream if you haven't found a magma cube to kill. So mm-hmm. uh, that that's one of those another one of those recipes that you put out of your mind most of the time because once you've been to the Nether a couple of times you've probably killed a couple of magma cubes and you don't need to worry about it. But yeah, just having that recipe available to you early game it, it really kind of changes the experience a little bit and, and means you're going to be more secure going back into the Nether. And so yeah, occasionally stuff like that occurs to me that I go, oh yeah, that's a recipe that I just I've completely put out of my mind and try and include stuff like that where we can for sure. Crafting magma blocks out of magma cream is also a thing. Again, yeah, one of those things that you can go and harvest like hundreds of magma blocks very, very easily. So something that rarely you need to do and often the magma cream is much more valuable in its, uh, in its raw state for, uh, for brewing. But yeah, right. it's, it's, it's amazing the levels of stuff that you can get into and all of that can just start off as, as this, the two component ingredients. You just grab a, bun- a bunch of blazes and a bunch of slime. So uh, let's let's move on to speaking of a, a few sort of more listener interactions. Let's move on to chunk mail, and uh, you you've sourced this email the first time around. So uh, how about you Absolutely. read it this week? So we've got an email from Richard C, and he said, "Hi Pixel Riffs, hi Joel. It is interesting to listen to artists talk about color temperature, and of course you guys know all about that stuff. But I doubt a fisherman building his fishing hut would care and would use whatever blocks are available. I think Minecraft is easy." Uh, sorry, I think in Minecraft, it is easy to get caught up in aesthetics and we forget that practical realism uh, also exists in the world. Things do not always match and I feel that they should be represented in the world as well. A fishing village is a working town and you are going to have some mismatch in the structures because the fishermen are going to use what is available to them. In addition to cobble and coral, uh, here there would be probably something you know you would find uh, throughout the the fisherman village, um, love the show. Uh, so thanks very much, Richard. And I think that I, I wanted to read this on the, on the show. Um, I read it very poorly, by the way. So sorry, Richard. <laughs> so th- um, this is a follow up to our discussion last week about what exactly we would use the coral blocks. For. Yes, yeah, and that yeah. was the next thing I was going to mention. Response to the discussion last week, and uh, I, I wanted to flag something uh, because this this kind of brings up an important point with. Um, the discussions that we have specifically about textures and when we get into more of the discussion topic on the show. And that Richard is right. Depending on the level of role play you're implementing in your Minecraft world, anything goes as long as it meets your personal aesthetic taste and the quote unquote rules that you've put into place for your gaming experience. So yay for sandbox games. Like there is no wrong or right. Uh, a lot of times when when Pixworfs and I are talking about this kind of stuff on the show, we're basically just putting our opinions out there. Uh, and it's it's not a, you should or shouldn't use Coral in this way. It's like, use it however you want. Yeah, yeah, These are just the ways that we've we've kind of come in come into it. Um, for me, it's always a matter of, does the block look like it doesn't belong in the environment? Yeah. Uh, and and it, if something sticks out, for me, artistically, talking about color temperature is probably the easiest way to articulate it. Uh, but it could be something as as just being out of place. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's like putting nether rack in the middle of a plains build. It it unless you're making it look like hanging meat, the weird purpley, you know, squishy looking block doesn't really pass for anything else other than like this looks out of place in this specific situation. 
Um, so that's kind of where I land on it is that it's, it's definitely a, a personal taste, but you and I are usually going off of what I would consider would be sure, sure it's our own aesthetic rules that we've put in the game for ourselves, but I would say probably generally accepted. Yeah. You know, there's always going to be deviations and we're certainly not saying that Richard is wrong. Um, yeah, no. it, it's just that that's, that's, that's the rules that he has put up. And I think if you went into Richard's world and those rules were consistent from biome to biome to biome, it would look fine. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And I, th I think that's kind of where I land on it. And I, I also want to mention that I did respond to Richard at length. Um, I try to reply to a lot of the emails that we get. I don't always get to everybody. Um, but, uh, I really appreciate all the people that have been writing in. It's almost too much to keep up with, which it's amazing. <laughs> don't stop. But but if you don't get a reply or if you don't get read on the show, then sometimes you might be just saying the same thing that somebody else has written in or the gist of your email is the same. I do try to at least reply and say, hey, thanks, you know, to everybody. Uh, but um, this Richard's email was just kind of like the one that kind of highlighted the 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 artistic taste and how personal all the texture stuff is that we talked about last time yeah and there's there's no universal truth about how to use minecraft blocks you know we aren't handing down the word of god here on this podcast like <laughs> we we, we, we take pains to mention a few times that we're, we're not going to be claiming to be experts in in any stretch and like it we're also not like yeah like you said color harmony is one of the ways that you find it easiest to articulate your thoughts about how to use blocks but we're not um we're not sat here with kind of like color pickers as we play minecraft you know a lot of this stuff does kind of occur to us a little bit more naturally um mm -hmm. so obviously like playing minecraft requires a certain level of like suspension of disbelief and it's yep. up to you whether or not you choose to kind of immerse yourself in the world and adopt the mindset of someone who's struggling for resources and survival and is just working with what they have. There's actually a really great uh, video by PBS Ideas channel, which is a now defunct uh, YouTube channel, but uh, yeah, they stopped producing videos about a year or so ago. Uh, but if you go back in their archives, they're all still available on YouTube. There's a great video about how working in creative mode in Minecraft is like working in a post-scarcity economy and how when you've got the absolute freedom to design whatever you want, it just kind of opens up so many different options for you. And that's always the level I try and achieve in survival. I try and gather as much resource as i can so that i don't have to really work in that scarcity mindset and that, that's just the way i like to play the game i like to have so much choice that i can choose not to worry about you know modifying this so it looks like i'm just kind of cobbling together what i have from from what's around me but that in itself is an artistic choice likewise you know, being somebody who thinks, well, I'd have to smush together a coral block and use it in the wall of my home is also an artistic choice. You know, detaching yourselves from terms like color harmony doesn't make the choices you're making any less deliberate. And exactly. and so there's there's so many different ways to to skin a cat, so many different ways to play Minecraft. We're, uh, we're, we're not going to, you know, be, we're trying not to dictate <laughs> to everybody how to play. I, I really hope that doesn't, doesn't always come across. Um, I also had the thought that coral blocks would actually make a lot of sense in a fishing town, not just because they look good in builds as part of the walls, but kind of in a meta way, the presence of something like coral blocks or prismarine implies a connection to the ocean because you know as a player of Minecraft, that's where you find those blocks. Right. So I feel like a fishing town that used a bunch of coral and kind of built up with a bunch of coral, even if it wasn't meant to be living, growing coral in that area, would still look like, oh, hey, that's a fishing town from a distance, you know? So I, I, I like the idea. And yeah, I might, I might end up building a fishing village at some point to, uh, 
to kind of have a little bit of that that coral around in builds. I again, like we said last week, I still haven't used the coral blocks all that much. And whether that's just because I haven't gotten around to them yet because I don't have the designs in mind or just because it's a little bit more scarce and I don't want to mine it out of the coral reefs because the coral reefs look too nice. That's, uh, yeah, that's that's something I will work on, I think, in future. But thanks for the email, Richard. We uh, we really appreciate your input. Yeah, I think that's a really good, I think that's a really good point. Uh, similar to how using dark oak in a mesa or a roofed forest looks not, I won't say correct, but looks like it matches because those are the materials that you would find around. Yeah. You know, like you, the, not, not that dark oak grows in mesas, but that the abandoned mine shafts that you find in mesas are usually made of dark oak as opposed to regular oak. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so like, so your brain just out of natural Minecraft vanilla generation, those are the blocks that you associate with that biome. So if mm -hmm. you're building a house in a mesa, building it out of birch might look like it kind of pops off the landscape a bit. Yeah, Whereas it's, if it's you going build to it look, out of, it's going to look alien to that environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just, it just I, I like the idea of building a fishing village out of all the blocks that you find in the ocean. That's a really like prismarine and like all the things that weren't won't be necessarily like right off the shore, but like everything that you would find kind of in and around the bottom of the ocean would be really interesting to find in, in a fishing village build. Like I think subconsciously you would certainly connect it. And it's a, uh, it's an approach that Mojang has actually adopted themselves when thinking about generated structures in the game, which is something I wanted just to talk about in detail this week. Um, lately they've actually adapted the villages that generate naturally in the world to have materials from their environments. Previously you found desert villages or, standard villages plains villages which had uh, either sandstone in them from the desert or it was cobblestone and oak wood used exclusively throughout the kind of plains villages you would find but more recently they've had them generating in savanna biomes and tiger biomes where you find acacia and spruce respectively and they generate with the spruce or acacia woods as part of the village you know the roofs and so forth and the farms are all made out of the logs and stairs and planks from those biomes so it's something that Mojang has actually started to incorporate themselves into revising those villages. So yeah, I wanted to talk about the structures that we find in Minecraft right now. Um, the kind of villages, you've got abandoned mineshafts and strongholds. This is all stuff from the, the overworld right now. There are various temples, witch huts, woodland mansions, igloos and fossils, which I feel like get kind of forgotten <laughs> when it comes yeah, to listing off the structures. Yeah, the, the thing about igloos for me is that they're hard to find because you don't explore snowy biomes much. You go there to get snow and then you leave again because they're not particularly hospitable places. Um, right. and, and likewise, fossils are always going to be underground. They're sort of randomly in deserts and swamps, neither of which I do a huge amount of digging in at the level where you find fossils. So they kind of fall by the wayside a little bit, which I think is a shame, but we'll, we'll get to more of that in a second. Uh, you've also got now shipwrecks and underwater ruins that have been added in 1.13. In the nether, as we mentioned before, a bit of a desolate place, just the nether fortresses. And uh, in the end, you have the obsidian towers and exit portal that form the kind of structures on the central island. And then further out, you find end cities. Um, I kind of, while I was thinking about these, I came across a, a weird thought, is that each dimension structures, with a few exceptions here, operate along kind of a different axis like overworld overworld structures like villages and mine shafts and strongholds the ones that were kind of added you know as early as generated structures started appearing in minecraft are kind of flat and sprawling they're just kind of like mm -hmm. you know one level and, and and obviously abandoned mine shafts go up and down so do strongholds but 
generally speaking, they tend to operate in terms of like their length and width. Um, they tend to kind of flatten out. Um, nether fortresses, on the other hand, have depth. You find one generating above a lava lake and it's got these huge pillars propping it up and it really isn't like anything you find in the overworld. And then in the end, you have stuff that's dealing with height because the end is such a kind of desolate, barren place. You've got these huge tall towers and these huge kind of spiraling end cities. They all kind of deal with height. And so you're looking at a, a different dimension with each structure. And I don't know if that kind of holds any weight with anyone. And like I said, with the amount of different structures that spawn in the overworld, there are exceptions to that. But it's kind of interesting to think about. Um, now, you, you came to uh, Minecraft relatively late. You, you came sort of in the in the last couple of versions. So you've jumped into the game straight away with all of this stuff available to you, give or take shipwrecks and underwater ruins. So right. what, what are your experiences with the structures that generate in Minecraft? What, what do you like? What don't you like? Well, I've always been a little underwhelmed with villages. I, I remember liking the very, very first one that I found in my, in my single-player world. But in the... Um, in the seed that we decided to use for the citadel, we wanted to make sure that there were some villages nearby because we had a, all at this point we had goals. You know, after having played the game for um, three or four months, when I talked to other people that wanted to play with me, we all kind of wanted you know a bunch of different biomes close by, hopefully some villages. Like so, we kind of chose a seed that kind of gave us the best of everything. Um, the villages have always been just a means to an end. It's just a way to get villagers back to your you know main base and, and kind yeah. of use them for for breeding and trading and stuff like that. Uh, I, they, they've always been kind of like what they are. I've also known how long they've been in the game. So I really had low expectations, uh, for that kind of stuff. Uh, when I started seeing villages in other biomes, I remember feeling a little disappointed. Not that they weren't, I mean, it's cool that they're made of new blocks. Um, but I kind of wish that they had maybe different structures to them. Like, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, do the, do the sandstone villages, are they s the same kind of like pitch roof design as everything else, or do yeah. they have flat roofs? They're, they're, they are. they're okay. effectively exactly the same template, just with different blocks applied different to Different blocks. Them. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that, and that's an opportunity where you're like, wow, you could have had some flat roofs in the desert and you could have had, you know, things that are not difficult to do. Uh, but, but I feel like could have been a little bit more interesting in that way. Uh, unfortunately, when it get into the, the structures that reward you, things like, uh, strongholds, jungle temples. I remember being excited when I found a jungle temple because mm. those look really different. Those are cool looking. Uh, unfortunately, at my level in the game, we were pretty far along by the time we started to adventure out. Uh, I'm kind of a slow player. I like to build up and have like in any video game, doesn't matter what is what I'm playing. I tend to be very prepared before I go and do something else. Yeah, yeah. You know, I go and adventure. So when I came across a jungle temple, a um, desert temple, uh, that those sort of things they were cool to look at at first but really the challenge of looting them was not a challenge at all yeah it's it like, gets well, kind of underwhelming yeah yeah and unfortunately i had seen a jungle temple not a jungle temple excuse me a desert temple in a video so i knew not to tap the floor like i knew <laughs> i i knew not to get myself blown up stuff like that. the old favorite uh, tnt trap yeah exactly and and then when you get to dilute you're like well that's great i already have an iron farm so like at, at some point the rewards don't really warrant the adventuring uh that you have to do to get to some of these things i think it's something that minecraft has started to turn around with shipwrecks and underwater ruins because you have better early game loot you have treasure maps that leads to potentially heart of the sea uh that sort of thing so th i think they really employ uh more adventure and more rewards like even in the late game there's still a reason to check that shipwreck just in case you get a, a map right mm -hmm. 
and and I think that also shipwrecks and underwater ruins are probably a more modern uh, approach to putting things in the world. They look cooler. They're built better. They're less of just a box with a triangle on it. Like they have yeah. way more variety. They feel more organic, I guess is the right way to, to say it. Yeah. Uh, whereas I've seen Woodland Mansions. We have one uh, on the server. I think I might have traveled to visit it once, but we haven't raided it yet. Basically because like, I know that there's nothing in there that I want or need. It's just going to be a potential for me to die and have to deal with all the, that, the, mm. the, the rigmarole that goes with that. And he was like, well, it's nice that we have one, but really I have no interest in it. It's also miles from, from our main oh, yeah. settlement. Yeah, no, so, they, they tend to generate some sort of ugh. 10 to 20,000 blocks away from your spawn point in some cases. There are seeds which have them closer and on, yeah. on consoles, you'll find them generating more or less wherever you can. They also have yeah. a, a, a wonderful tendency to burn down. <laughs> if you don't have a uh, fire tick disabled on your server, if there's a lava lake that generates anywhere near this thing, then you, you, t <laughs> you turn up and half the place is on fire and you go, well, <laughs> that's that's my 20,000 yeah. blocks worth of travel kind of wasted. So Exactly. And again, like the reward for looting them, it's not fantastic. Oh, there's like, nothing in get... there. You don't you don't get anything out of that. So I mean, I I can appreciate that you're not supposed to get loot every time. Sometimes these structures are generated to increase the adventure, to have mini bosses or or mini raids. You know, to to kind of draw a parallel to be, between something like you know World of Warcraft or other you know open yeah. world type games. And and I think that for me, so much of it would only be challenging if you happened to do it in the first you know really early game, kind of pre Nether you know, pre-enchantment almost um, Minecraft to have these things be challenging. Like desert temples are really cool to look at, but they're not at all something that are challenging, you know, to 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 get into. Um, I also find it odd and very frustrating in a number of ways that all of the structures, if you ever wanted to incorporate anything into your own builds, you have to build on, a, on an even wide, like they're all centered on two blocks, not one. Yeah, yeah, it's odd that. Which I find weird. Yes. Yeah, it's 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 very strange. And the the thing about woodland mansions for me is that the the illagers themselves are kind of the loot there. They're sort of the treasure. The the thing is, I I, I think the problem really is adding in something that's going to be a challenge for people of all skill levels, and that's really right. the the difficulty. Because obviously there are a ton of kids who play Minecraft that might not be you know might might not have like the refined motor skills that we as adults in our thirties have. Sure, uh, <laughs> they're they're, they're going to have a little bit more trouble with stuff like that, and so maybe it's going to come across as more of a challenge. But then yeah. there's less. Or to of flip that. And, and say parents that are playing with kids where the kids yeah, are experts yeah, at the game and the, and the and mom or dad are just along for the ride and they're going to find the Woodland Mansion very challenging. It feels like a much more likely scenario than what I just described, <laughs> actually, thinking about it. Yes. So uh, apologies to all the kids out there. But uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the thing about Woodland Mansions for me is that the Illagers are kind of the the only reason to visit but then there is functionality behind them that is kind of fun. Like uh, if you kill an Evoker, that is the only way of getting the Totem of Undying, which is an item right. I've never really used except to get the advancement for dying with one in your hand and having it kind of save you from death. Um, right. But I, I don't I don't normally use them, but I think they're used a lot in kind of PvP servers and other things, so it's kind of useful to, right. to have them. Um, and then the uh, Vindicators, the other ones, the, the ones with the, the axes, um, have that amazing functionality where if you uh, rename them, if you name tag them Johnny... Uh, which I take as a personal affront. Uh, no, they, 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 they turn into kind of axe murderers who will kill 
anything that comes nearby, not just targeting other villagers or players, they will attack anything. So you can use them to farm animals for you if you want to. I remember on the last season of Hermitcraft, right. Azuma had one of those killing all of the mushrooms that would spawn on his, like, one square of mycelium that he had on his mushroom island. And so that was just his food farm for the entire season. He was always getting steak produced, which is it's quite a neat way of doing things. And that's a gameplay mechanic you can exploit if you're a more technical player. But if mm. you're not going there for the purposes of getting stuff that will help you in the game as like a technical Minecrafter, there's not really much of a reason to visit. There's nothing in the chests and so forth. So I do kind of wish they were a little bit more developed, even just like hiding a diamond block in one of the weird kind of wool sculpted animals. I think that's the first thing people did when they found those structures in the game for the first time was just tear the whole thing apart to find out if there was anything hidden in there. And the majority of the time there just wasn't, you know, there were a couple of emeralds in, in, in here and there, you know, that kind of thing. But the, 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 fun, the fun thing I've seen people do with Woodland Mansions is actually take them over and use them as a base. You kill everything yes. inside there, you light it up properly so natural mobs don't spawn, and uh, you do what XP Crafted did last season of Hermitcraft. You convert the entire thing into your base, you set up like farms or you know different rooms, whatever you want in there, and you, it saves you the trouble of building. And I, I've, seen I've, I've seen that happen with villages too, where people come in and say like, well, I don't have to think about the layout. We've got the well and we've got the the, the church and we've got all these places that have already been generated by Minecraft. So the challenge that I'm putting on to myself is I'm going to make this look really cool. That's exactly turn it into my own town. Exactly where I was going with this. The, I've seen people ask why aren't villages or whatever structure kind of built better? Like they've had the opportunity, like you said, shipwrecks and stuff kind of look great now. Um, mm -hmm. there, there, there are lots of different designs to them and, and things that make them unique. And I've seen people kind of wonder why don't they revamp villages a little bit and there are a few answers to this um i think like in an in-world sense the villagers aren't supposed to seem as advanced as the player you know they're very pastoral they're unable to defend themselves their homes are basic but from an outside perspective i can see keeping villagers basic is kind of an invitation for the player to build something better themselves whether that's remodeling the village or just using it as a template and expanding it uh, so, so they can kind of have something and not feel too intimidated by the fact that, oh, these guys can build these kind of crazy houses and here I am with my dirt hut. You know, you can, you can kind of mm. take that as an example build almost if you're starting on, if you're starting the game for the first time and build in that style until you start to refine your own approach to what you feel like looks good in builds. And then you can go back and apply that to the village. You can renovate their homes for them if they haven't all been killed by zombies at that point. And right. yeah, there's there's a lot of a lot of stuff you can do with that. So yeah, I think villages are kind of kind of interesting in that respect. And I don't know if I wanted if I'd really want to see them change too much or not. I think you know maybe add in a couple of other house designs, but I think they've got that almost utilitarian purpose of showing players well this is what you can build this is how even like a, a a set of randomly generated fairly basic structures can look like a coherent town why don't you mm -hmm. give that a try you know it, it's it that, that's that's the way i see it anyway um when it comes to the other stuff i really think ocean monuments are still the most successful overworld structure in terms of like the whole package they provide they're scarce enough that finding them is a challenge Obviously, with, you know, map overviewer tools and things like that, you can often pinpoint ocean monuments just based on your seed. So if you want to go out and find one very specifically, then you can. There's also a command you can type if you have cheats enabled that allows you to locate the nearest ocean monument if you want to. But they're scarce enough that finding them is a challenge, but they make it worth your while. You have unique blocks in there. It's the only place you can get prismarine. Give or take, I think, mm -hmm. a couple of blocks of prismarine now spawn inside underwater ruins 
the kind of ocean ruins that spawn drowned and stuff in. Um, but they have unique blocks and a means to get renewable unique blocks if you're killing the guardians that are in there. They have a treasure room with eight blocks of gold in, which of course isn't a huge amount. If you've been mining for a few hours, you can probably find the equivalent of about eight blocks of gold, but it's still nice to have something at least. Um, the environment poses a challenge. There's procedural room generation, so you don't get used to the layout. And the same thing applies to woodland mansions as well, but every ocean monument I've been in, I've always gotten a little bit lost when I've been navigating around it. And yeah. with the Elder Guardians giving you mining fatigue, it makes it much more difficult to just kind of tear through the walls in the way that you can in other ruins and stuff to get to the treasure. That's the thing about jungle temples is you can go in and flip all of the levers and everything and, and get to the treasure that way. Or you can just find out where it is by tearing the entire thing down if you want to. And it kind of ruins the, the challenge. So ocean monuments are really good at keeping that challenge present while you're navigating around the whole thing. Plus, they look really good. In, especially in 1.13 now, we've got seagrass and kelp growing up all over them mm -hmm. and stuff. They, I think they look really nice. So I feel like if, if it was possible to emulate the experience of ocean monuments but in a different way, sort of in the over the, the overground sort of area. That's really the experience I would love them to strive for when it comes to adding more dungeons into the game, if that's something they end up doing in future, is finding something that is a little bit of a maze and has something that stops you from just breaking through the walls. But then, obviously, without mining fatigue, then it's, it's difficult to do that because otherwise you're, you're giving the player unbreakable blocks which aside from bedrock, there really aren't any in Minecraft. So yeah, yeah it, it's... I, I can see I can see a translation um, might be a little bit too literal of say something like an ocean monument turning something very similar into an above ground kind of like a Mayan temple or something in a jungle. Yeah, where the jungle temple is a lot larger. It has one or two boss mobs. Whether that's just you know a lot of zombies or maybe there's a bunch of spawners inside, so that you end up with like a ton of skeletons or yeah, you know something along those lines. Um, would be really cool because then I don't know what you could do that wouldn't again be mining fatigue, but maybe like slow, like slowness have something in there that until you destroy it, it, it makes you walk at the snail's pace. So you can't just run away. Like you have to fight because if you turn and run, you're just going to die. Yeah. You know, I think that there could be some things like, like that. Um, I, again, like I don't want to just have more pyramids everywhere because like i i really like the uniqueness uh of the jungle temples as they are they're they're not a structure that you feel you see elsewhere in the game mm -hmm. uh but yeah i i love the idea of having more more structures in the overworld even even if they don't serve a lot of visual uh no sorry if they don't serve a lot of gameplay purpose like i don't necessarily need there to be loot i don't necessarily need there to be any kind of fight it could just be this thing that i walk by that gives the world that you're in a little bit more history like yeah it gives a little bit more of an incentive for exploration which we've talked about you know a number of times on the podcast which with uh, 1.13 really enticing the player to go out explore have fun check out the oceans everything is really pretty it really makes you want to swim around and, and take a look at stuff Whereas I think that players in general might be a little bit bored with walking through yet another plains biome or yet, yet another, you know, extreme hills biome with nothing really to, to pop out and say, oh, that's really cool. And it doesn't have, like I said, it doesn't have to be much. Maybe you don't even go over to it. Maybe you just walk by, but you're like, oh, that's a really neat tower or whatever. Uh, so one question I have for you is 
if you were to see new structures added into the game, and we can use, um, I'm curious on two fronts, one overworld, but also nether. Mm-hmm. What what would you like to see uh, added if new structures were going to be generated? I think it would be amazing to have something somewhere, whether it's a temple or maybe some sort of quarry style pit or like a step well or something like that that gives the player some sort of hint about how to access the nether for the first time because uh, this actually came up in a, a video by Zloy XP, my uh, co-writer on the Hermitcraft recap, where he mentioned that it was kind of his theory about who built end cities and who kind of why why zombie pigmen ended up in the nether. He's kind of done this series of kind of like law theory videos uh, on a series that's called Overthinking Minecraft, <laughs> which I think oh, is a, cool. a delightful title. And uh, yeah, he kind of suggested that the villagers might have been the first people to kind of enter the nether, but then they erase all kind of any kind of notion of nether portals existing because they don't want people to re-enter the nether. There's a painting that shows you how to summon the wither, which is the only other kind of like multi-block structure thing in the game that you tend to create. Whereas, you know, there isn't really any resource in the game that explains to you how to build a nether portal. You literally have to look that up in order to find out how to do it, really. Right. So having something, maybe just like a, just a, a simple kind of open amphitheater sort of thing with a path down and sort of steps down the sides and then a flat wall of stone and there's a broken nether portal in it and maybe like yeah sort of all of the the sides are there apart from one corner as as though a player has chipped out one block of the obsidian to turn off the portal themselves right and that basically prompts you to go well if i fill this in what happens nothing happens at first but then you know if you light it with a flint and steel that's it's kind of your your prompt as a new player to go oh okay if i build a portal frame like this something's supposed to happen and then maybe you look into it a little bit more from there because yeah there's there's nothing really to explain that part of the progression of the game except just you know people online sharing knowledge of this is how you play minecraft going to the nether is the next step you know a a really good comparison would be the end portal that you find in um, strongholds it is incomplete it has a number of eyes of ender missing from the border so right away the player can figure out okay wait a minute if if i move if i fill this in something might happen yes right whereas you don't have that with nether portals and i remember that being a point of frustration with me when back when i was literally like when i was thinking too literally about playing minecraft it's like well there's nothing in the game to tell me you know to go to go do this so i i i had to kind of take myself out of it and say like okay i just have to bite the bullet realize that this game has been around for eight plus years and just go look some stuff up and and i think that having some structures that tie uh the realms together is a fantastic idea Mm -hmm. yeah i i think i think it would work um how about you what 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 kind of stuff would you like to see added to added to the game aside from that well for me i i want to go along the lines of uh smaller structures things that would be very easy for for moyang to add into the game things that would have add very um simple um, visual appeal to the player as they go out and explore because you know really I mean there's witch huts and swamps uh, you've got um, woodland mansions that very very seldom so y- I feel like there should be a little bit more of a visual reward for walking through a bunch of new biomes and it reminded me of something that I saw back when I was watching your harmony series with uh, Python GB and you guys were using biome bundle and a bunch of other smaller 
kind of vanilla plus mods. But the thing that struck me the most about that particular biome pack was the number of different, very simple, very Minecraft vanilla-esque structures that you would pass by in just your walking across, you know, a rocky landscape and there's a tower. Mm-hmm. And it's it's no different than than the complication of, say, like a jungle temple. Some of them were actually smaller and I would say even more simple. But there would be a chest at the top that was booby-trapped or there would be uh, a couple of mobs inside because they were dark, uh, etc. So I think like having some skeleton towers, like put a skeleton spawner in the top of a tower. So if you want to get up there, you're going to realize, you know, very quickly, you're going to realize that there's like six or eight skeletons across the the ramparts that are shooting down at you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and you can't just pillar patches. up to it because they're going to snipe you off the side of the tower that you're building. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, zombie patches like have zombies um, spawn out of a giant pumpkin in a, in a big cornfield or something. Uh, random ruins just in the exact same way that you find uh, underwater ruins dotting the landscape in in an ocean now that makes it look so again it it just gives the oceans history and i feel like adding that history with random ruins uh uh in in the overworld they don't even necessarily have to be structures like having a wall that's just been ripped down mm-hmm. uh to the point where it looks like it's crumbling and have a couple of those dotted through you know uh, a dark oak forest or or even you know a wide open flower forest would just it would just give that little bit of 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 um immersion i think as you're walking by uh abandoned wells and pits uh abandoned log cabins or occupied log cabins i don't know like whatever <laughs> that kind of stuff any kind of thing that would just kind of give it some history and again it doesn't overcomplicate the game because anytime you think about adding a new game mechanic or a new boss or a new uh, reward you're just like okay well at what point does that affect other things in the game mm-hmm. will people stop mining for gold if they can get it really easily in shipwrecks like stuff like that Whereas if you're just adding something visual to the game, it's, it feels to me like it's less of a leap. It's more of just a like, well, we're just going to put in a, you know, add three different designs for jungle temples and just have them just because you found a jungle temple doesn't necessarily mean you know exactly what you're going to get visually. And mm-hmm. I think that that could be that could be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of it's sharing the same approach as the the ocean monuments I was talking about earlier, having something that's a little bit more procedurally generated and it's not going to be the same every time you find it, I think is is perfect because it adds that level of adventure to it. You never know exactly what you're going to find. Whereas I feel like going out to a, a, a roofed forest and finding a woodland mansion, you always sort of know what you're going to get. It's going to be, it, it, it's big enough that there's the same kind of combination of rooms. Whereas like unassuming little log cabin, maybe occupied by an illager like you could just have a single axe murdering yep. illager just like yeah. living out there in in the log cabin that's uh yeah that's got potential i, I like hansel the sound and gretel put a, put a witch in there you know yes. um and going back to what you said earlier about villages uh being kind of like that invitation to brand new minecraft players to say here here's what could be possible i like the idea of having you know any kind of random structure in the jungle or in the desert also be an invitation to the player to say like hey here's here's like a slightly bigger like it's not overly complicated but it's like a little bit of a bigger pyramid or it's a little bit of a of a cooler ruin where your player brain is like hmm i wonder what this looked like before it got destroyed and then maybe your mission becomes rebuilding it you know like just those little kind of gameplay cues that don't necessarily they're still in the spirit of the open world sandbox minecraft but they just have a little bit more um not structure but um intention behind them yeah and as as we said earlier the uh the modded players are kind of well ahead of us at this point or at least the, the modded oh, yeah the modded community yeah. is because yes uh, mods like biome bundle um recurrent complex 
uh, is another one that adds like hundreds of structures to the world. And I feel like that definitely feeds the uh, the imagination and the kind of the, the, the gameplay focus for more adventure led players. The people who just want to get out and explore a Minecraft world and see what's out there. Definitely mm-hmm. uh, worth checking out. Obviously, they're available for versions before 1.13 at this point because the modded scene for 1.13 still hasn't quite caught up. Forge is still being worked on and so forth. So it's going to be a little while before we see those for 1.13. But I'm excited to see what kind of stuff that those people find to integrate with the 1.13 shipwrecks and ocean ruins and so forth. If they feel like oceans are more complete now, if they you know shift their focus to elsewhere, it's going to be exciting to see. And of course... Exciting to see if they announce anything else like that in the upcoming Minecraft 1.14 at Minecon in a couple of weeks. So like I said at the top of the show, if you want to share your experiences about previous Minecons with us, that would be fantastic. If you want to send us an email, that would be wonderful. But I think that's probably all we've got time for today on this episode of The Spawn Chunks. You can find out more information about the show and links to some of the things we talked about today at thespawnchunks.com. The music for all the show was composed by me. And I want to thank our patrons for contributing to some of the stuff that's led into this discussion and for generally being lovely people and supporting us. If you're getting a little bit of value out of this show as well, you could consider joining their number and putting a little bit of value back into it. Head to patreon.com slash the spawn chunks to join our patron community where pledging at any level will get you an invite to our patrons only discord chat. As we mentioned earlier in the show, iTunes reviews are fantastic and help the show reach new listeners. Also, just you know, telling a friend, uh, sharing it on social media. You can find the show by name on Twitter and Instagram. We usually just post uh, announcements when a new episode is up. Uh, but we'll also you know, reply to people when they say hello. Uh, when you're sharing the show, why not use the hashtag Minecraft, the hashtag podcast, and of course, the hashtag the spawn chunks, because again, it just all goes for discoverability, which at this stage in the podcast is super important. If you have something to tell us, uh, as Johnny mentioned, you can email the show at the chunks at gmail.com. And for subscriptions, we are on iTunes, Google Play, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. There is an RSS feed for the spawn chunks on our website, as well as a patron-only RSS feed uh, on the Patreon page, and we're going to get into a little bit more of that in the coming episodes. My name is Pixel Riffs, and you can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash pixelriffs, where I have a Minecraft survival guide series for beginners and a multiplayer Let's Play series called Decidedly Vanilla, where you can see exactly how much wealth the mineshaft has gifted me with. I'm also the voice for the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search, and I stream three days a week on Twitch, where these days I'm mostly working on larger Minecraft projects for my YouTube series, but I play other games from time to time. Aside from that, I'm at Pixel Riffs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything that I am doing online is at joelduggan.com. If you're interested in hiring me as an illustrator or a designer, then just go ahead and email me right through that site. You can listen to my other podcast, The Sizzle Cafe, at thesizzlecafe.com, as well as Comics Coast to Coast, where I talk to artists and uh, illustrators there with my buddies, Brian and Matt. Uh, Everything online for my social media presence is all just my name. YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram. Just find Joel Duggan. Lately, you're going to be finding lots of Minecraft inspirational hiking photos. So, hey, why not check that out? Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite. Get out there and give a zombie a hug.